What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Toontown, a Disney music podcast. We are finally back with episode three, which is The Lion King Part 2. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about more of the score and the soundtrack. On part one, we talked a little bit about the background of the team compiled to put together the soundtrack for The Lion King. So including Elton John, Mark Mancina, Hans Zimmer, Tim Rice, all them good folks. Um, but today we're going to be getting into the nitty gritty of what we're going to be discussing. So I'm really excited to bring this content out there for you guys. Uh, and also I want to apologize for getting this episode out so late to you guys I was without my recording equipment for a minute uh, so now I'm finally reunited with my mic and my keyboard setup and everything like that so I'm ready to rock and roll and go ahead and discuss this soundtrack with you guys so let's get started so as we all know we begin the movie with the circle of life that famous call by Lemo M um, and we begin the story with a large number of animals gathering around Pride Rock in South Africa, witnessing the arrival of King Mufasa and Queen Sarabi's newborn cub, Simba. dare you guys to name a more memorable opening music number than circle of life in the lion king um but yeah y'all know the deal um we get all the animals showing up to pay their respects to newborn baby simba we get the iconic um rafiki painting simba's head and holding him up to the crowd and everything like that so yeah you know very powerful song about kind of all of us being you know in a 
you know, obviously the circle of life, but like no matter where in the chain you are of that circle of life, we are all connected. We all matter. And, you know, just a really beautiful song um, to start off a movie set in such a beautiful setting, you know, with all the animals and nature and everything like that. Um, but yeah, after Circle of Life, we are finally introduced to Scar, who is the younger brother of Mufasa and the rightful heir to the throne before Simba came along. And I, this kind of sets up the villain of the movie. And, um, you know, because Scar has a lot of hatred and envy kind of towards Mufasa and Simba and the throne in general. Um, because he, he kind of wants to obtain that power for himself, you know, but, you know, I really like Scar, very powerful villain, very cool villain, uh, if I must say, and he even gets his own musical number. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. As a young cub, Simba is taught about being king by Mufasa, who says that everything the light touches is their kingdom. And this is where we're going to be breaking down the first score cue of our discussion today um, from Hans Zimmer. And for those of you guys who don't know, Hans Zimmer is the composer of all the original music for The Lion King. And um, a score cue is basically a point in the score that's composed for a, a scene in the movie. So, you know, a cue. Um, hence the name score cue. So the one we're going to be talking about today is We Are All Connected. And the reason I want to talk about this score cue today, as we'll see in a little bit, is because it introduces a few of the main themes that we hear throughout the movie. Um, Simba kind of has two different themes, and then Mufasa kind of has a two-part theme, um, but you hear both of them within this score. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that. first theme I want to talk about today is the initial one that we hear in the song and it sounds a little bit like this. And so Zimmer establishes this as one of Simba's themes later on, but during this scene, we actually hear it when we see um, the land around Pride Rock and it's raining and we kind of see the cycle of nature that goes on there. So it's a very beautiful scene and equally beautiful music to match it. And then we get to the scene where Simba wakes up um, while his parents are still asleep and he like begs Mufasa to wake up so he could go take him to see Pride Rock. And that's where we get Simba's second theme. So let's go ahead and take a listen. So again, the theme goes a little bit like this.
And in the second instance, when we're introduced to the second of Simba's themes, Zimmer kind of gives it to us in a very energetic, joyful, playful kind of way, uh, very much representative of how Simba is, you know, before he transitions into the role of a king and takes on those responsibilities and matures and everything like that. Um, And I really like this theme because, as we're going to see later on, it's a very flexible theme. Zimmer turns it into... Um, a lot of different things throughout this whole movie you know sometimes he makes it very regal and royal sometimes playful um, and sometimes very powerful you know when when Simba kind of comes to the realization that uh, he has to go back to go protect his land so you know very cool but again let's keep listening to uh, we're all connected for now Mufasa's theme So remember when I said there were kind of two parts to Mufasa's theme? Well, that was the first part, and I'll go ahead and play it for you guys again just so you kind of hear it in isolation with just the melody. I just think the first part of Mufasa's theme is so kind of majestic in a way it's very regal it's very royal it's very grand and it's set in the minor so it gives a little bit more of a darker mature feel more jaded than Simba's theme um, it gives a gives the impression that this character that this theme is for is you know very wise um, and and has a lot under his belt you know so let's go ahead and take apart the second part of Mufasa's theme play this again for you guys um also so you get an, kind of an idea of what it sounds like without all the accompanying music and just the melody itself but this is the second part of Mufasa's theme guys go yet another beautifully composed theme from Hans Zimmer and let me know what you guys think this could totally be me looking way too far into it but I feel like the first part of Mufasa's theme kind of sets up this very grand regal mature character you know who looks over the kingdom and provides for his his animals and you know is the father of of Simba who's our main character and he's the one that passes on all these important lessons but the second part of the theme sounds a lot kind of sadder like it, it almost alludes to his fate almost it has this very high swelling um, of, of the melody and everything like that and it's very powerful and then at the end it, you know it just ends in a way that kind of 
kind of lets you know early on in the beginning, you know, this character is not going to last for long, but he does leave a lasting legacy that that's very important for the story. Uh, you know, I don't know that that could just be me looking way too far into it, like I said, but, uh, you know, either way, it's very, very beautiful and very powerful. And I know you might be thinking, you know, Dad, we're talking about the Lion King here. We got a bunch of cool songs and you want to talk about the background music. Well, you know, to me, it's way more than background music. It's the, you know, it sets the tone for the movie for everything that's not kind of like a musical theater number. You know what I mean? And I think it's very beautiful. And there's kind of two main reasons why I want to talk about all these themes. One is that if you were to just listen to all these themes alone, you could kind of tell what's going on in the story without ever seeing a scene of the movie. If you were just to follow and attach these themes to these characters and kind of follow how the themes transform, how they're used um, from things to orchestration and things like that. Um, and another reason is that in this movie in particular, the score was composed completely independent of the songs in the movie. And so Hans Zimmer, while he did help, you know, work on some of the songs in the movie, he was primarily responsible for just the score. And in that way, we don't really have a score and a soundtrack that are completely married together. And by that, I mean, you won't find the score in the songs and you won't find the songs in the score really except for a few minor instances i'll point those out when we get there but i just think that's a very beautiful thing to do um, especially for a, a movie like this where you kind of want to set more of a mature tone than you know maybe the little mermaid or things like that because this is a very mature story and it has a lot of adult themes to it and so outside of the you know the songs the wonderfully composed songs you have this score that really sets this mature setting and it brings you to a, a whole nother place than it would if it was just this the songs you know so um that's kind of my reasoning for talking a lot about the score but anyways back to the story while touring pride rock Simba asks about a shadowy place in the distance, and Mufasa tells him it is beyond their borders and Simba must never go there. The lesson is stopped when Zazu, Mufasa's major doma hornbill advisor, informs him that the hyenas have entered the Pride Lands. And I actually want to stop here real quick. So for those of you who have seen the live, uh, live, live action, the live musical of The Lion King, you know that there is a song called The Morning Report. Um, during this scene where Zazu kind of interrupts their lesson. And that song was not originally in the movie. That was written for the live musical. But in a new edition of the movie, I think it was like the 2003 release or something like that, um, they actually decided to include this song. So I'm going to go ahead and include a snippet just in case you guys have never heard it before. Good morning, sire. Good morning, Zazu. Checking in with the morning report. Fire away. Chimps are going ape. Giraffes remain above it all. Elephants remember, though, just what I can't recall. Crocodiles are snapping up fresh authors from the banks. Showed interest in my nest egg, but I quickly said no thanks. We haven't paid the hornbills and the vultures have a hunch. Not everyone invited will be coming back from lunch. <laughs> this is the morning report. Gives you the long and the short. Every grunt, roar and snort. Not a tale I distort. On the morning report. What are you doing, son? So there you guys go, the morning report. And while it's not the most, I guess, you know, 
it doesn't have the biggest contribution to the story. Uh, it's a, it's such a funny song and it's so lively and energetic. And I just want to read off the beginning lyrics in case you guys didn't catch it because it's full of just, you know, these hilarious puns. So he says, chimps are going ape. Giraffes remain above it all. Elephants remember, though just what I can't recall. Crocodiles are snapping up fresh offers from the banks. Showed interest in my nest egg, but I quickly said, no thanks. We haven't paid the horn bills, and the vultures have a hunch. Not everyone invited will be coming back from lunch. So obviously, you know, some jokes about, you know, chimps going ape because they're apes. Uh, giraffes remaining above it all because they're tall. Elephants remembering because supposedly elephants have really good memories. Crocodiles taking up offers from the banks. Obviously, they're talking about like, you know, river banks and things like that. Not paying the horn bills. Um zazu is a horn bill but you know it's a pun on bills paying the bills the vultures have a hunch because you guys have seen vultures before they have hunches and not everyone invited will be coming back from lunch because lunch is when all you know the animals they they prey on each other or whatever so i just think that that moment is super funny um and I, I like that they included it in new versions of the film and so anyways back to the story so as i said zazu tells mufasa that there's hyenas in the pride lands and so mufasa tells zazu to take simba home while he goes to get rid of the problem and later that day scar tells simba that the shadowy place that they he and uh, mufasa saw was in fact an elephant graveyard and simba being the daring lion cub that we all know him to be his curiosity is piqued and he convinces his best friend nala a lioness cub to come with him to go see it sarabi simba's mother sends zazu to keep an eye on the two cubs but they soon leave him behind and so we're going to be taking another musical detour right here and i want to look at two things real quick one is a piece of the score and another is uh, the next song that we have in the soundtrack which is just can't wait to be king which is for sure one of my favorite disney songs of all time but when it comes to the piece of score that I want to talk about, it's called um, Hyenas in the Pride Land. And towards the end of that song is the only time in the score where you'll hear the songs of the movie referenced in the score. And I want you guys to keep uh, an ear out for it and see if you can spot which songs Zimmer kind of hints at in his score. And another dope thing about this track is that it leads right into Just Can't Wait to Be King. So I'm not going to talk about it really. There's not too much to discuss, but it's just a fun little track. And I want you guys to see if you can point out um, which two songs Zimmer kind of includes in that score cue. And then we'll go straight into listening to Just Can't Wait to Be King. And then we'll talk a little bit about that song afterwards. Never seen a king of beasts with quite so little hair. 
I'm gonna be the main event Like no king was before I'm brushing up, I'm looking down I'm working on my board <laughs> Thus far, rather an inspiring thing Oh, I just can't wait to be king You've run a long way to go, young master If you think No one's saying do this Now when I said that No one's saying be there What I meant was No one's saying stop that no, What you don't no realize No see here Now see Well, that's definitely out. Free to do it all my way. I think it's time that you and I arranged a heart to heart. Kings don't need advice from little hornbills for a start. If this is where the monarchy is headed, count me out. Out of service, out of Africa, I wouldn't hang about. This child is getting wildly out of wing. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. And so there's Just Can't Wait to Be King. And I love, love, love that song just because of how energetic and fun and celebrative it is. And, I, you know, first of all, I really think that the voice actors for, uh, well, I guess not the voice actors, but the singers themselves, Jason Weaver, who plays young Simba, Laura Williams, who plays uh, young Nala, and Rowan Atkinson, who plays Zazu. For those of you guys who don't know, Rowan Atkinson is like the Mr. Bean guy and everything like that. Um, but I, I I love their like playful banter towards each other. And I think they're all, you know, great performers on that song, especially the two young lions. I think they both have pretty strong vocals in the song, which, you know, is definitely a plus but also i kind of love how ironic this song comes to be because simba you know can't wait to be king but later we know that he comes to kind of resent the throne and his status as the king because of the death of his father and he comes to kind of neglect his responsibility but when you're young and naive and you're entitled to kind of that position of power of course you're going to think that it's you know fun and uh, all fun and games and you know no responsibilities and whatnot and you know obviously Zazu is being the adult here and trying to warn him that you know no it's not really like that um, but I, I just love the way Simba thinks and how energetic he he is on the song and how you know how playful he is and how how telling it is of how Simba really thinks that the king life is gonna be for him. And we know during the sequence that the lion cubs finally lose Zazu and reach the elephant graveyard where they come upon the three spotted hyenas who are like the bad guys of the movie um, after Scar. They're kind of like his stooges. And we have Shenzi played by Whoopi Goldberg, Bonsai played by Cheech Marin, and Ed who is played by, I believe... Jim Cummings, um, who who's like a voice actor who does like a lot of these like goofy characters. He does, he does a lot of singing voices as well. Actually, um, I believe he does the singing voice for Scar and Be Prepared after Jeremy Irons threw his voice out trying to record the song. Um, but anyways, the Lion Cubs they kind of taunt the hyenas and um, they get really angry and they chase them around. But Mufasa finally comes and rescues them. Mufasa sends Nala and Zazu back to Pride Rock and admonishes Simba before teaching him about the stars. Simba learns that these stars represent the great kings of the past who will always be there to guide him, including Mufasa. And I love this scene for a lot of reasons besides the music. The, the music behind is really just Mufasa's theme playing in this very dramatic, very beautiful um, swelling of like strings and stuff like that. 
But um, story-wise, it's kind of the first time that Simba realizes that maybe being the king isn't all the fun and games that he imagined it to be. And Mufasa does a really good job of relaying this message to him and also telling him about the kings of the past, which I think is really important because it comes up later in the movie when Simba, you know, he's under the stars looking with Timon and Pumbaa, and he realizes that the kings of the past are there to guide him. And there's actually a score cue called Kings of the Past, and that turns out to be my favorite score cue in the entire film, besides the very last scene when Simba ascends Pride Rock. Um, But yeah, I really love this idea of the kings of the past and Simba kind of coming to terms with what being a king is really supposed to be. And of course, during all of this, the villainous Scar is plotting to take the throne via a coup d'etat. He's planning on killing Mufasa and Simba so that he may rightfully claim the throne that used to be his before Simba came along. And I love the way that he gathers the hyenas and kind of creates this army in order to accomplish this because he sings it in the form of Be Prepared. And I think Be Prepared is up there with probably top five, if not top three villain songs, uh, Disney villain songs of all time. I just think it's so, I don't even know how to explain it. It's not even that scary, really. It's just such a genius song. The wordplay is amazing. Jeremy Irons and Jim Cummings, who comes to replace the voice of Scar uh, after Jeremy Irons through his voice that I kind of mentioned that before. Um, they both do a great job at portraying the the evilness in uh, in Scar's voice and how willing he is and how determined he is and really snatching this throne and you know being just ruthless in, in accomplishing this and obtaining the throne and so for that you know I, I really do appreciate every part of this song so let's go ahead and take a listen of course quid pro quo you're expected to take certain duties on board the future is littered with prizes and though I may have received point that I must emphasize is You won't get a sniff without me! Tell me you just don't get chills every time you hear the the cackling at the end. Um, So that last verse that we heard was actually Jim Cummings' part and not Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons is the regular voice actor for Scar. But like I said before, when he was doing all these recording sessions, um, he supposedly like threw out his voice or something like that. And he couldn't continue recording the song. And so they asked Jim Cummings, who, you know, who I mentioned before, is a very great voice actor and a very great singer and who plays Ed in this movie to come in and sing the last verse, I guess, or something like that. Um, And I kind of want to go over the last verse because I think it has some of my favorite lyrics in it. So it starts at, let's see. So prepare of the coup, prepare for the coup of the century. Be prepared for the murkiest scam. Meticulous planning, tenacity spanning, decades of denial is simply why I'll 
be king undisputed, respected, saluted, and seen for the wonder I am. And I think that verse kind of really just wraps up what this song is about and what Scar's motivations are in in general. Um, you know, he's really just he he's underappreciated and he, he always kind of feels like the underdog and just kind of like the trash of the of the lion pride and everything like that and so this is really his real motivation for taking the throne you know he wants to have pride in something and he wants to be able to feel like he has power you know like mufasa has instead of feeling so downtrodden and uh you know just kind of like the the back end of the their society over there i guess and so the next day on Scar's orders, the hyenas cause a stampede by chasing a herd of wildebeest into a gorge where Scar tells Simba to wait. Mufasa learns of Simba's predicament from Scar and braves the wildebeest by leaping into the gorge and carrying Simba to safety. And we have our next musical detour where we're going to be listening to the stampede, um, yet another score cue from Hans Zimmer. And I really love this piece because it really takes advantage of the the African choir. And I don't know exactly what they're saying, but, you know, they have a lot of these rhythmic chants and it's very intimidating. The melody is very intimidating. It's very scary and it's very high energy and high pace. And it truly does track the scene in a way that elevates it and really, um, really just puts it right in front of you or puts you in in the scene i guess i should say and you can really feel the how high the energy and the stakes are um you know trying to save simba and so let's go ahead and take a listen to the stampede So that's a pretty lengthy track and I'm not going to play the whole thing, but you guys get the idea. It's very energetic, very high paced, very fast paced, I mean, and it's kind of set in this three, four time, which I really like, which um, it, it constantly keeps you rocking back and forth. You know, you're never sitting still during this whole track. You never have like a steady sense of rhythm, I guess you could say, you know, you're always wanting to move back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, which promotes this feeling of like chaos, I guess you could say. And um, again, this is from Hans Zimmer, who also did 
the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, I believe. Like he did the main themes for the movie. And so this track always reminded me of the main theme from the Pirates of the Caribbean series, which is like the you know that one. Um, but both of them are set in like the same uh, kind of meter, the three, four meter. And both of them are very high energy, like I said, and they keep you walking back and forth. You know, you never want to sit still during these tracks. And I, I just really love that feeling about them. Also, I know I mentioned this before, but the choir is just amazing in that. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's like it's it's like these people are watching the scene from above and they're kind of narrating it. And I don't know exactly what they're saying. I couldn't tell you guys, to be honest. But um, it just gives you like kind of like this sense of like dread and uh, this sense of danger, I guess. And um, it, it's just really awesome the way that Hans and Level M arrange this choir to really support the, the feeling and the emotion of this scene. So, of course, Mufasa attempts to escape by climbing the gorgeous walls, but he gets stuck and he asks his younger brother Scar for help. But Scar grabs Mufasa's paws and says, long live the king. And, you know, we get this iconic scene of him dropping and Simba witnesses it and cries, um, you know, seeing his father falling to his death. And and he's unaware of Scar's actions, obviously. So he's completely horrified and he goes back to the gorge to find uh, Mufasa once the stampede has passed. And so Simba's down there. He's yelling his name. He's looking for him and everything. And finally, he finds him lying on the ground. And at first, Simba thinks he's just sleeping or he's knocked out. And he tries to wake him up and he's like, dad, dad, wake up. But, you know, soon he realizes that his father has died. And you are 100% a liar if you tell me that you do not tear up at this scene, man. There's got to be top five, top three, maybe top two. And it ain't two um, saddest Disney scenes of all time. Just the way that he's calling for him as if he's still alive. And obviously at this moment, you know, he thinks he's at fault for this. So he feels incredibly guilty and he's he's lost and he's confused because he just lost his father and you know it just breaks me every time and i don't know if you guys go to the disney parks a lot but i go to disneyland sometimes and at california adventure they have uh, the world of color show and this scene is included in that show and it, it just gets me every time man I, I don't know how i watch it and to make it even sadder man han zimmer just composes this beautiful 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 um kind of theme for Mufasa's death and uh, to me the reason that it's so beautiful um, Hans Zimmer mentioned that when he was younger very young he lost his father and he had never really grieved or, or dealt with that pain before because he kind of just had to step up you know his responsibilities and help take care of his family and everything like that so he never had a chance to really deal with his father's death and he realized when he was making this um, you know supposed kids cartoon movie that it was actually very mature and it had a lot of these adult themes inside of it and he used this moment to really kind of make a requiem for his father uh, I think he explained it and so I don't you know I don't know exactly how he ties it into how he feels about his father's death but he he uses his emotions to really support and elevate this scene and uh, channel his feelings into into Simba's
And so that is Mufasa's death um, from Hans Zimmer's score. And, you know, don't you guys think that beginning kind of melody and the, the way that he uses the strings in that, it's very, very simple. But to me, it's very powerful. It kind of, and it's very complete too. You know, it doesn't leave doesn't leave you hanging for more it kind of gives a finality to Mufasa's death almost and also I want to point out how um, how he ends that track so normally Mufasa's theme kind of ends like this So like I mentioned before, his theme is in the minor key, but the way that he ends it in Mufasa's death is actually in the major key, which is a little bit more final, and it gives Mufasa kind of like this nicer um, ending to his story, at least musically speaking. And, you know, it just kind of lets you know that although he's died, he's going to be with Simba forever. And so go ahead and take a listen to how this ends. So as you can hear, it was just a little bit more hopeful, a little bit more brighter at the end, just to kind of give you um, a little bit of upside. You know, although he's gone, he died protecting his son, who he loved very much and passed a lot of wisdom onto, and that he'll always be there to guide him. And he, he's never really truly gone. You know, he's always going to be there for Simba. And not to get like super deep into it, but I'm sure when Mufasa died, you know, he died with no regrets and knowing that he had a life well lived. And so after this, Scar sees that Simba is still alive, and so he approaches him and tricks him into thinking that um, Mufasa's death was actually a result of his carelessness and his recklessness. And so ashamed, Simba flees the Pride Lands and intends to never return because Scar tells him that his only option is to just run away so that he can avoid the guilt of uh, killing his father. And Scar then orders his goons to go kill Simba. But Simba manages to escape by running through a thorn bush and the hyenas yell that if he ever returns, they'll kill him. And later that night, Scar returns to Pride Rock to break the terrible news of Mufasa and Simba's death. Although he's the one that killed Mufasa and Simba's not really dead. And in Simba's absence, Scar becomes a new king and allows the hyenas into the Pride Lands. Later on, we catch back up with Simba, who found himself kind of stranded in this wasteland, and he eventually collapses and passes out from exhaustion, and he's found by Timon and Pumbaa, our favorite meerkat and warthog duo, who help him back to, to health and teach him their, their motto and their way of living, which is Hakuna Matata, as we all know, means no worries. And as you can guess, we have our next musical detour. And man, what's there not to say about Hakuna Matata? You know, it's so lively and fun and energetic and it's very colorful. Um, the scene in the movie and the song itself, it's very jazzy uh, and I, I just love the way it sounds. You know, it's so relaxing. Um, just the music of it and the message of it, all the lyrics of it, you know, how can you not have fun listening to the song? So if you ever need any kind of Disney song to relax to, man, this this has to be the one for sure. Um, this, this is one of my favorite songs to just kind of put on and relax and chill to and really live my Hakuna Matata life. So let's go ahead and take a listen. No 
worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy. So that's Hakuna Matata, man. Instant classic for sure. What more can I say? Definitely one of the best songs to just, you know, chill out and vibe to, you know, whatever, relax. Um, and I just love how much fun they're having on the song with each other. You can just tell by the way that they're singing and playing off of each other, especially towards the end when they start kind of playing off each other and scatting and stuff like that. Um, and I also love that this is the first time we start to see adult Simba. We see Simba kind of growing up as, especially in that uh, iconic sequence when they're like walking across the log and Simba slowly gets bigger and bigger and stuff. I, I just love that. And might I mention that Sim, adult Simba's singing voice is Joseph Williams, um, who is the son of very famous Hollywood composer John Williams. He composed, you know, Jaws, Jurassic Park, Star Wars, Superman, just to name a few. So, you know, very, very musically uh, talented family, I must say. So after living with each other for a while, one night Timon, Simba, and Pumbaa are out chilling on the grass after having like a big meal or something like that. And they somehow get to talking about the stars. And Pumbaa says, you know, Timon, what are those stars? Timon is like, you know, I know what they are. They're fireflies that got stuck in that big bluish black thing. And then, you know, Pumbaa, he's, you know, very innocent. He's like, oh, man, I always thought that they were um, burning balls of gas uh, billions of miles away or whatever. And Timon kind of ridicules him for that, even though Pumbaa was right, obviously. And then they ask Simba. And Simba kind of avoids the conversation because he starts to remember the conversation he had with his father about, you know, what... Mufasa said that those stars were and I really want to listen to the music behind this scene because this is my favorite 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 score cue in this entire movie it starts off very relaxing but it kind of brings you into Mufasa's theme and if you're to put yourself in Simba's shoes it kind of reminds you you know who are you don't forget who you are don't forget your past and don't forget your responsibilities and so let's go ahead and take a listen to this music it's called Kings of the Past So first we start off with Simba's theme, nothing new, although it's given it to us in a slightly different package. So first of all is the orchestration. Um, it starts off very, very soft, very calm, very mellow, um, kind of reflective of how Simba's life is right now. He's looking up at the stars and he's relaxing and it's just introduced to us in this harp and this celeste compo. I think it's pronounced celeste or celeste, however you call it, which is like this very soft kind of keyboard. 
um, and it, it paints a picture for us. You know, he's looking at this this beautiful night sky. And I want to talk a little bit about the di subtle difference in this theme versus the first Simba theme that we heard. So let me go ahead and play this one for you versus the old one. So here's the beginning of the old one first. Okay, nothing too crazy, we heard it before, but listen to how he changes it in the new one. So in the old one, the melody was kind of descending, but listen to how this one kind of ascends. reason I noted this super subtle tiny difference along with the difference in orchestration is the first time we hear Simba's theme is much more orchestrated um, I believe it has strings in it and it, it's much more royal it's more confident he's looking down he's he's looking down from Pride Rock you know he has a position of power already set for him but in the second instance which we hear Simba's theme it's a lot more gentle and this time he's looking up and it's kind of more curious you know he's looking up and he's kind of pondering his existence and his place in life anymore and you know interpret it how you will but that's just how I interpreted it myself and I just thought this was like you know the the subtlest difference but it it's differences like these that really make it worth it to follow the music of these stories because it really is amazing they put a lot of effort into telling this story with the music alongside the picture and I really thought that that was amazing but let's go ahead and listen to some more of this track Okay, pause right there. Don't we know that theme from somewhere? If I'm not mistaken, that's Mufasa's theme. So I don't know if you guys noticed, but Zimmer slowly transitions Simba's theme into Mufasa's theme. So during this moment where Simba's looking up at the sky and kind of revealing to Timon and Pumbaa that someone long ago told him that these stars were the great kings of the past looking down upon them to present them guidance and whatnot, um, he's starting to remember his father and his theme slowly turns into Mufasa's and you kind of start to see how Simba starts to turn into his father and you know we're tracking that musically and I just think that's you know such a subtle such a subtle nod to it but it's so amazing all right let's keep on listening
Okay, so during that part, we hear the second part of Mufasa's theme, which I kind of mentioned before is a little bit more somber than the first part of his theme. And to me, that was indicative of how sad Simba was thinking about his father. And I don't know if you guys heard it, but there's like these low kind of swirling strings kind of... To me, it's like the sonic representation of almost like a tornado or some kind of swirling pattern, right? And I thought that was very representative of how the past is coming to chase Simba down. You know, Simba can't keep running from his past. He can't keep trying to hide from, you know, his responsibility and his destiny, really. And just to me, the way that Hans Zimmer kind of orchestrated this and made all these subtle changes to these themes that we already know and are, are familiar with throughout the movie, it pre he presents them in a whole new light that tells, you know, the current story that's going on, how Simba's kind of afraid to acknowledge his past and he's afraid to, to even think about it. And so now when he's finally thinking about it and acknowledging his past and, and what he has to do, Zimmer's kind of following that with the music and he's he making it confusing. He's making it sad. And uh, I, I just think it's amazing how he, he brings all these themes back to remind us, you know, this is this is Mufasa's story as well as Simba's. And, you know, Mufasa's not gone. Simba still has a job to do. And so, you know, that's really cool to me. So let's let's keep on listening to the music. And so during this scene is the scene where Rafiki begins to find out and clue together that Simba's still alive. And you notice the music getting a little more brighter, a little more hopeful, a little more inspiring. So um, just pay attention to how the music's changing with the story. So Rafiki, the mandrill, who I guess kind of baptized or like presented Simba to the kingdom when he was born, finds out that he's still alive. So, you know, my man is juiced, of course, obviously, to find out that the rightful king is still alive. Um, but you hear that swell at the end is swelled into Simba's theme. And now it's the first realization of Simba's theme ever since Mufasa's death, where we hear it in kind of like this glorious setting, this glorious, um, I guess, kind of context, you know. And so to me, I love that scene because the music is beautiful, but it also tells the story about how Simba is finally coming to terms with who he is and his past and what he needs to go out there and do and, and, and how, to, how to find his destiny, basically. And so after this, we get a fun little moment of Timon and Pumbaa walking through the jungle singing The Lion Sleeps Tonight. And I know this isn't a, like an original song for the movie. I know it's a song somebody wrote before. But um, I, I love the context that it's in because, you know, the movie's about a lion in a jungle, obviously. Um, and I love Timon and Pumbaa, so I love, I love the character that they bring to it. So, you know, might as well take a listen. I can't hear you, buddy. Back me up. A wee, a bum, a bum, a wee. 
about Bum Bum? Bum Bum? Very lively scene, just kind of joking around. They're just having fun, whatever. Um, but Pumba gets distracted when he finds a dung beetle and he kind of stalks it so that he can eat it. But he looks up and he notices he's being stalked by Linus and he starts to run for his life. And when Timon finds Pumba, he asks what's wrong. He sees the lioness chasing him and out of nowhere comes Simba who comes to rescue Timon and Pumba just in time from the lioness. And of course he discovers that it's Nala. So after a little bit of catching up and Simba introducing Nala to his new friends, Timon and Pumbaa, um, we get probably my favorite song from the movie, favorite original song that is, and that's Can You Feel the Love Tonight? And yes, I do think the movie version is better than the Ellen John pop version, just because I love the, the context that it fits in in the movie and the way that it progresses the story. And it's such a beautiful song to me. Um, the, the orchestration of it, the vocal arrangements are just beautiful. The like Kind of like the African chants in the background and the rhythms and everything like that is beautiful. And I also love the way this uh, the song starts out with Timon and Pumbaa kind of realizing that if Simba were to fall in love with Nala, then that means, you know, their their trio friendship is probably donezo. So let's go ahead and listen to Can You Feel the Love Tonight? I can see what's happening. What? And they don't have a clue. Who? They'll fall in love. And here's the bottom line. Our trio's down to two. Oh. The sweet caress of twilight. There's magic everywhere. And with all this romantic atmosphere, disasters in the air. tonight sorry i had to break it off at the uh, the awesome key change but it was getting a little bit long uh, the clip but uh, i think as far as the sung songs in lion king that's probably got to be my favorite one a close second would be circle of life um especially the end version that plays when simba ascends pride rock but we'll get to that later but yeah there's a few reasons why i love this version a little bit more than like the pop Elton john version uh, i think the first would have to be just that fact that the characters are the ones singing it so we have timon and pumbaa starting and ending the song 
Um, and then we have Simba and Nala who are kind of telling the story of, you know, each of their perspectives of the song. You know, Simba's kind of like, you know, what is she going to think of me when I tell her the truth, blah, blah, blah. And Nala's kind of like, oh, wow, like, you know, wh- I can't believe I found Simba, but it seems like he's hiding something. You know, what is it? But then we have like the choir and we kind of have like this omniscient narrator singing the chorus. Um, and then I also love the instrumentation and orchestration in this one because it's just very tranquil and very peaceful. Um, so yeah, you know, that's Can You Feel the Love Tonight. I really, really, really love that song. You know, probably my favorite of the film again. But after Can You Feel the Love Tonight, we get this conversation between Simba and Nala kind of talking about why he hasn't come back and, you know, what he's been doing and since he's been away from Pride Rock. And Simba learns from Nala that Scar's irresponsibility as the king of Pride Rock has actually led to the suffering of all its inhabitants. And still feeling a little bit guilty over Mufasa's death, Simba refuses to return and claim the throne. The wise Rafiki tracks Simba down and summons Mufasa's ghost for Simba. His ghost informs Simba that he must return to Pride Rock and become king. Simba refuses, but Mufasa's ghost tells him to remember that he is his son and the one true king. Now, musically speaking, what I really love about this scene, um, it's kind of similar to what we've heard before, but it's this interplay between um, Mufasa and Simba's themes while they're kind of talking and Simba kind of has this realization that he's he is his father's legacy while also leaving his own legacy and um, kind of like this you know whole revelation of who he is and and who he has to be and what his responsibilities are as the true king of Pride Rock and so we're going to go ahead and take a listen to this track called Remember Who You Are um, fittingly and what there's a few things I want you guys to listen to one is how Mufasa's theme kind of morphs into Simba's theme and I find that kind of representative of how uh, Simba's kind of taking ownership of who he is as Mufasa's son and uh, the true king of Pride Rock and you know kind of taking ownership and pride and responsibility for what he has to do for his people and also there's a recurrence of Simba's second theme at the end um, so go ahead and take a listen to that
So again, that's called Remember Who You Are. And I just love that scene, you know, first of all, the iconic um, Mufasa in the clouds, you know, while Simba is kind of praying to him and, and conversating with him and whatnot. But again, musically, I love it because it really follows and it tells the story of Simba learning to take responsibility for his past and not run from his past, but instead look toward the future and take pride and ownership of what he has to do um, as the king of pride rock and again as the son of Mufasa and so the way that Simba's theme turns into Mufasa's theme and then how Mufasa's theme turns back into Simba's theme is very symbolic of their relationship and of Simba's growth as a character okay so back to the movie Simba returns to pride rock with Nala, Timon, and Pumbaa who all agree to help him fight while Timon and Pumbaa distract the hyenas, Simba goes to find Scar and sees him arguing with Sarabi on Pride Rock over the lionesses not hunting. Um, nothing too interesting musically here, but I do want to kind of include that clip where uh, Timon and Pumbaa, they're like, you know, what do you want us to do? Dress and drag and do the hula or something like that. And then that's exactly what they end up doing. And they sing a little song, so I just might as well include it in here for some fun. If you're hungry for a hunk of fat and juicy meat, eat my buddy Pumba here because he has a treat. Coming down a dine, on a Stacy swine, all you have to do is get in line. Ah, you ache it? Yup, yup, yup. For some bacon? Yup, yup, yup. He's a big pig? Yup, yup. You can be a big pig too. Alright, so, you know, obviously not like the most dramatic or necessary use of music in the movie, but it just, you know, is a testament to how funny these characters are. They can literally light up any scene there is. You know, this is like a pretty serious scene where Simba returns home to see kind of this uh, wasteland that Pride Rock has turned into and they still, you know, make it super funny. So uh, definitely love that scene right there. Okay, so again, Simba goes to find Scar and finds him arguing with his mom, Sarabi, um, because the lionesses haven't been hunting. And when Scar strikes Sarabi in anger, Simba finally makes himself known and confronts him, but is forced by Scar into admitting to causing Mufasa's death. Scar forces Simba towards the edge of a fiery pride rock to kill him, informing him that he was actually the one who killed Mufasa. Enraged at this realization, Simba leaps back up and pins Scar, forcing his uncle to reveal the truth to the rest of the pride. Fight ensues with the lionesses Timon, Pumbaa, Rafiki, and Zazu all against the hyenas, while Simba confronts Scar alone at the top of Pride Rock. Scar begs Simba for mercy, accusing the hyenas of planning Mufasa's death. Despite Simba sparing Scar, the lions still fight resulting in Simba defeating and throwing Scar off the cliff. Scar survives the fall, but is attacked and killed by the hyenas, who had overheard his attempt to betray them. So again, nothing too crazy here. Um, we get a few Dias Irae's thrown in by Hans Zimmer, which is kind of like this musical motif that's been used for thousands of centuries. Um, that's used to kind of foreshadow death or kind of uh, represent death, I guess, musically. Um, but other than that, nothing too crazy. But here's where we get into probably my favorite, favorite, favorite music um, in the entire movie. And it's when Simba uh, ascends Pride Rock in this track. It's called King of Pride Rock. And so with Scar and the hyenas gone with the flames, Simba is greeted by Nala, Sarabi, the Pride, Timon, Pumbaa, Zazu, and Rafiki. Simba walks at Pride Rock and hears Mufasa's ghost who appears in the clouds, and Simba then roars in which all the lionesses join. Sometime later, Pride Rock is restored to his former glory and Simba looks down happily at his kingdom with Nala, Timon, and Pumbaa by his side. 
Rafiki then presents Simba and Nala's newborn cub to the inhabitants of the Pride Lands, and that is the end of our movie. But like I said before, I want to talk about this track called King of Pride Rock, which is sort of this reprise of both Mufasa's and Simba's themes because it kind of represents the return of the king to Pride Rock, you know. It's uh, the return of the prodigal son, if you will, and Simba's finally, again, taking ownership and pride um, in his new role as the King of Pride Rock. So again, I want to talk about this track called uh, King of Pride Rock, which I've mentioned before is probably my favorite music in the film um, because it's this combination of score and song. I'll explain it a little bit, but um, it begins with this reprise of Simba and Mufasa's themes in a way that lets us know that the, you know, the prodigal son has returned and Simba is stepping into his new role and responsibility as the current king of Pride Rock like his father once was. But then also we get this perfect transition into uh, the circle of life, which is kind of like a reprise of the circle of life. And, you know, needless to say, it's, you know, the story is coming full circle, just as the circle of life explains. And I, I just think it's such a perfect moment when Simba, you know, ascends the rock and um, now he's holding his cub up, or I guess Rafiki is, but, you know, uh, he's presenting his cub to um, Pride Rock instead of him being presented to Pride Rock. And it's just beautiful um, how they use this music to really support the story um, truly coming full circle. And so as you guys take a listen to this, I really want you guys to realize where did you first hear this music in the movie and what did it mean then? And now that you're hearing it at the end of the movie, what does it mean to you now? And to me, that that's really the story of the Lion King, if you will. You know, it's how do you use your past to learn and, you know, bring you to where you are now? And how do you go forward from what you've learned in the past? Um, and you know I, I know that's really deep and probably like fake woke and everything like that but to me that's really what you know film music is all about particularly Disney music um, and sort of like this way that they use um, these musical theater techniques to really bring a story full circle sorry I know I said full circle a lot uh, in the past like 30 seconds or so um, but anyways uh, let's go ahead and take a listen and that's going to be the end of the movie right there
that's going to wrap up today's episode of Toontown Podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. While we talked about the Lion King soundtrack, I had a lot of fun discussing it with you guys. Uh, hope you guys weren't too bored by that. Again, if you haven't checked out part one, go ahead and check out part one. Uh, it was really fun talking about the history and listening to some demos and things like that. And yeah, uh, make sure to follow me on Instagram at ToontownPod. Uh, talk to me on Twitter at ToontownPod. Let me know what you guys liked. Let me know what you didn't like. Let me know what you guys want to hear. Uh, and just anything like that. Share your thoughts. You know, Make sure to make this a conversation and not just me talking to you guys. But yeah, that's going to end today's episode. And I will see you guys on the next one. Well, I guess it's technically talking to you guys on the next one since it's a podcast. But whatever, you guys get the point. All right, dev dude, out of here. Peace.